Say with me. The Word of God, the Spirit of God, the people of God are all we need, and we need each desperately. You've heard said today in more ways than one, we need the people of God. It's God's plan. As we look through 1 Samuel, we are learning that there is only one way to God. However, there are many ways of God. And it's important that we learn those many ways of God. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 1 through 4 is our scripture today. 1 Samuel chapter 18. So last week we saw in chapter 17 that Saul and his army, they were paralyzed by fear. The fear of Goliath. Now, David comes along with fresh faith. And he puts in his little pouch what he knows the best, his sling and five smooth stones. He did what nobody else is willing to do. He went forward, not on his own strength, but in the strength of the Lord. And he put one stone right in the middle of Goliath's forehead. Goliath goes down. Then David takes Goliath's sword and he ends it right there and then. After that happened, the Israel army was set free from their fear and because the giant was slain and they routed the Philistines. And so after all that happens, Saul asks, he says to Abner, a commander, he said, now whose son is that? Who, who does that boy belong to? And it's interesting how David keeps on showing up in Saul's life. And as we go through and look at the study, we will begin to see the reason and the purpose behind all that. And Abner says his name is Jesse, and they live in Bethlehem. And so now we pick it up in chapter 18. And the topic of today's lesson is God sends friends. Foundation for friendship. Spiritual kinship is extremely important. And so we're going to talk about the value of spiritual friends. Chapter 18, verse 1. After David had finished talking with Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son. Jonathan was a country boy. His name was Joe Nathan. Think about that a moment. That's the way my mind works. All week long, I've been saying, Joe Nathan, Joe Nathan. In the notes, I even messed up towards the end and put Nathan instead of Jonathan because he's Joe Nathan to me. All right. There was an immediate bond between them for Jonathan loved David. From that day on, Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. So now he's definitely full time in the palace. And Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him as he loved himself. Jonathan sealed the pact by taking off his robe and giving it to David together with his tunic, sword, bow, and belt. How many close friends do you have? How many close friends do you have? I've heard it said more than once in my life that when you die, if you can count five close friends on your hand, you know, one hand, then you've been a blessed person. 
How many true friends do you have? How many people are there in this world that no matter what you can count on? They're your friends. They are for you. They are with you. They are part of you. They are on your team. They are with you when you're up. They're with you when you're down. At the end of our service today, we're going to introduce some new members to you. And we will say together, when one part suffers, we all suffer. One part rejoices, we all rejoice. We should mean that. We should mean that we are willing to suffer with people and we are willing to rejoice with people. I think suffering with people and rejoicing with people is at the heart of this relationship between David and Jonathan. They were for each other. How many close friends do you have? Today, in our world where we live, it's hard to have close friends. It's hard to get connected. You've probably noticed today that we're putting a lot of effort in helping us get connected. It's a full-time job. It's an ongoing task. There are some reasons why people that live around us in our society, in our culture, struggle with having true friends. One is the distance we live from each other. If we were to take a poll today, how many y'all, what's the furthest that people live from each other? It, it, no question, some of you guys live 30 miles from each other. If you live down over on 377 and you live over towards Azel, that's a good 30 miles, right? The, the Lido school district is huge in, in, you know, square miles. It's a big place. We live a long way from each other. If you don't have kids involved in the same activities, you never cross paths with people. You know, we have the school, we have the church. is the only time that we have that we naturally cross paths with. And so it's hard here. It's difficult here. It takes being intentional. You've got to want it. You've got to mean it. That's why I've been harassing you guys about coming to the men's retreat next week because it is... One of the things that happens there is men get together and there may be some spiritual friendships that take place, right? Another reason why it's hard for people to have friends and be connected is time. Another reason why it's hard for people to get together is the pressure to make the kind of living that people want these days. You know, we got to have things. We want things. We have to work extra hours for those things. We take on high-pressure jobs so that we can have more money to live the life that we want to have. And, 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 the, and the byproduct of that is there's not enough time or energy left to, be, to make friends because it takes time to have true friends. There's not a willing to make the effort these days. Today, you know, I, in, in church here, I have taught the, 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 the trough of junk, you know, the valley of junk. Superficial relationships, close, personal, intimate relationships. And, and you start over here, but there's a big valley, a big trough that's there. And if you're going to be close friends with people, it takes a lot of effort because you got to go through the valley of junk. You got to go through mood swings. You got to th- go through betrayals. You got to go through disappointments. You got to go through misunderstandings. You, you got to go through their kids better at baseball than your kid, right? Their kid makes the playoff team and yours doesn't, the all-star team. And, and that causes conflict in the group. Uh, or their kid's in top 10% and yours isn't. And jealousy really is a problem. And, you, and you're unwilling to fight through that jealousy and envy 
and anger and move through the trough of stuff to be able to get up here to where you're close friends. And, and that's a real issue in our community. It's a real issue in our church and other churches around us is people today, because of time, because of distance, because of pressure they have in work, because uh, uh, when they're off of work, their time is their time, and they're just not going to put the effort that's involved. Very few people are willing to go through the trough of junk and come out on the side and be close friends. There's a selfishness problem. No question about that. There's always a selfish problem. There's a technology problem. There's social media, Facebook, Twitter, flashback, flash floored, whatever they are, Instagrams, all those things that are happening. And, and you can literally, you can isolate yourself in your own little world and not connect with anyone. Now, for what's it, for nine bucks, you can have Netflix? Holy mind, holy cow. You can, you can start on Friday afternoon and, and except for going to bed perhaps and, and using the restroom and maybe a sandwich here and there, you can never leave your comfortable chair and you can be entertained all weekend long. And you can never connect, be involved with other people. You just isolate yourself into your own little world. And then, of course, we've got friendships aren't really valued. And so we have a real challenge. There's a real struggle. There's a battle. And so let's look at 1 Samuel 18 and see what we've got here and see what we can learn from. First of all, no question, there's a divine appointment that's made. God is at work here. There is an intersection between David and Saul's son, Jonathan. Now, both are warriors. And, and I suspect that when Jonathan witnessed David slaying the giant, he liked that. Obviously, he liked that. And there was a, I'm sure there was an admiration. There was a, they had some things in common. I'm sure that after that happened, everyone wanted a piece of David. Everybody wanted to talk with him. Everybody wanted to know what was going on through his mind. Everybody wanted to know, you know, now, can you really whip a bear? Can you really whip a wildcat out there, a souped up, you know, cat out there in the wilderness? Can, have you really fought him off? How good are you really with that slingshot and those stones? And so it, it makes sense to me that Jonathan would have been drawn to David. Now, I, I'm quite sure David doesn't know about this yet. He doesn't fully understand what's ahead of him. None of us ever do. God's fulfilling a purpose in us, and he's preparing us for what he has for us later. And there's no better person to be in David's life than Jonathan. David has been handpicked by God. He's been anointed to be the king. What better person to be in his life than Jonathan, the king's son. David needs that. And as we study in the future, we're going to find out David desperately needed Jonathan in his life. He needed the word of God, the spirit of God, and the people of God, and he needed Jonathan. 
He would not, uh, uh, things would not have worked out well. David's life would have been a lot more miserable and he had some real hard times if God hadn't sent Jonathan his way. When, when people come into your world, when people cross your paths, when you have that thought, maybe you ought to get to know this old boy. Maybe I need to spend some time with this person. Maybe there's something, there, there's something, there's something unique happened. There's a stirring in your spirit. God may just be sending someone to you that is important for your future, for your purpose. It's going to be someone that can carry your armor. It's going to be someone that can carry your load. It's going to be someone that has the right word at the right time. It's someone that God has already established in a purpose that is going to help you fulfill what God has for you. And that's what we see happening here. So they're together. They're a team. It's a divine appointment. The second thing we see here is in verse 3. And Jonathan made a solemn pact with David. He made a covenant with him. They come to terms. Hey, we are friends. We will be friends. You are important to me. I will be here for you. I'm on your side. I will help you navigate the next several years of your kingship. I'll be here for you. They had a DTR conversation. Define the relationship. Similar to when you got married. Now, my covenant with Susan is we are married. We're going to be married. She's important to me. I'm really important to her. <laughs> and we're going to hang in there. We have, we're in a covenant with each other. It's not always easy. It's not always, you know, peaceful. Most of the time it is, but it's not always. We have our struggles. We have our issues, but we are in a covenant with each other. David and Jonathan enter into a covenant relationship that God has brought to them. And it's a no matter what friendship. Because they're both in it together and they're both for each other. Now, years ago, one of my present friends said, listen to this. I don't think we'll ever come to blows. I listened to that and I went, no, I guess not. That was an indirect covenant that we established we're never going to come to blows. We'll argue. We'll disagree. We might get upset with each other, but we're never going to come to blows. That's a friendship. Indirect way of having a DTR relationship, DTR conversation. Another friend of mine said, he says this, he says this to me when I call him from time to time, and typically, you know, it's, it, through the years it's got... I'll, I'll say hello or I'll call him and he says hello and he goes, oh, brother, just leaving the hospital, huh? You need a joke, huh? You need a joke. You need to make you laugh. And I go, yeah, what you got for me? And he's, he's always got them. Some of them aren't worth repeating any time, but he's always got something funny to say. He always reminds me of things that happened when we were kids 
he, he always says, you know, I was thinking the other day when we did this, when we did that, when that happened. And do you remember when you jumped off that bridge? And do you remember when you did this? And, and, and we're friends. And he always says to me, how's my brother from another mother? How's my brother from another mother? And he tells me quite often. He told me before his brother passed away, and he still tells me now. He said, you know, I'm closer to you than I ever was with my own brother. So we have had a definite, direct conversation through the years that he's my friend, I'm his friend. If he needs something, he calls me. If I need something, I call him. And, and we've never lived very close to each other. Matter of fact, today is the closest we've lived in years to each other. He lives in the Metroplex. And so there is a direct conversation and an indirect conversation that we need to establish with friends. Have that conversation. Sit down with people and, and you know, make it clearly known about your relationship. We are friends. I just want you to know that no matter what happens, I'll be here for you. I'm not going to get anything get in between us. And so when they say something that they shouldn't say or they spout off or they do something they shouldn't do or uh, perhaps they fail you in some way, you've established an anchor in your relationship and, and nothing's going to get in the way of that. Nothing's going to get in the way of that. We need to have that in the church today. The body of Christ needs to have those kind of covenant relationships with each other. Men need to have those with men, and ladies need to have those with ladies. Ladies, you need to go to the uh, IF conference because you may be connected with another lady that is a God-sent friend, and that's His plan for you to cross paths there. Men, you need to go to the retreat here this next weekend because God may just send you a God-sent friend that you enter into a, a relationship with that is irrevocable, never broken. You hang in there together. And no matter what you or he goes through or she or the, he, you or the, she goes through in that lady's relationship, I'm here to tell you, nothing can separate you. And you've got that friend. I promise you, whether you know it or not, one of your greatest needs in life today are God sent friends. God sent friends. What, what if you're not very good at making friends? Make the effort. Start now. Don't, don't listen anymore to that excuse. I, I, I'm, just, I'm just not good at making friends. I'm, a, I'm an introvert. Introverts can have friends. You say, you know, well, I can't be friends with an the extrovert. They wear me out. Then be friends with an introvert. And, and, and have a rule that every now and then somebody's got to say something. <laughs> right? <laughs> every now and then. But you're okay sitting with each other. You're okay helping each other. But you've got to make the effort. The next thing we find in this scripture is they loved. Now, there's no question right now as this relationship begins, no question Jonathan is expending more energy in this relationship than David is. Okay? And probably that holds true the rest of the time. Most likely. And that's the way some relationships are. 
depending on the function, depending on God's purpose for that relationship. Sometimes it's God's will that, that love means is that we support someone else that, that needs most of the attention and most of the energy in the relationship. But clearly here it says in verse 3, after the solemn pact was made, it was made because Jonathan loved him as he loved himself. He loved him. Now, the homosexual community uses this David-Jonathan relationship to justify homosexuality. Look, that's from the Scripture, there's no merit to that. That's just taking what you want to be there and reading it into the Scripture. Now, men, ladies already get this. But men, you can love another man and not be gay. You can love another man and not be gay. You can show affection to another man and not be gay. You can have hurt and pain and emotion for your friend who's a man and not be gay. Jonathan loved David as he loved himself. Now, in our culture, men have a hard time expressing their love for each other. We, we're more indirect with it than direct. Hey, call me if you need me. I'll be there for you. You know, stuff like that. Other than saying, you know, man, I, I really do love you. I'm here for you. But we need to have love for our friends. Anchored in love. God put them together. They had a lot of work to do in that relationship, but love was the foundation. They had, cho- they had made the choice to love each other. Now, love is not a feeling. It's not the flu. We just don't catch it. I know we, I, the idea is that we fall in love. None of us truly fell in love. We chose to love. And after you choose to love, the feelings then come. You don't fall out of love. You choose to fall out of love. You choose not to love anymore. And and Nathan and David have chose to love each other. We also have here in verse 4, we see that Jonathan was selfless. He was not selfish in the relationship. Jonathan was willing to play second fiddle. That's crucial in friendships. Verse 4, Jonathan sealed the pack by taking off his robe and giving it to David. Aha, it's sexual. He took off his robe. No, it's not. That's poor interpretation. Jonathan sealed the pack by taking off his robe and giving it to David together with his tunic, sword, bow, and belt. Now, Jonathan is next in line to be the king. So he is demonstrating the level of commitment he has to this friendship, to the purpose of their relationship. It's a prince's robe. And he's saying by giving him his robe, his tunic, his belt, his bow, his sword, he's saying, I'm no longer in line to be king 
you are. And I support that. I will be here for you. Jonathan was willing to play second fiddle. In all friendships, someone must be willing to play second fiddle. Sometimes you play second fiddle. Sometimes in a relationship, you play first fiddle. But both parties can't be insisting that they always play first fiddle in the friendship. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. It's not God's idea. It's not what God wants. It's not what God does through relationships. So to have God-sent friends and to have these strong friends and have the right foundation for these kind of friendships, let's, let's remember this. Friendship must be important. Friendship has to be valued. A covenant is understood. The agreement is clearly understood. There must be selflessness. There's got to be selflessness. Selfishness destroys friendships. Can't be, friends, can't be selfish friendships. There must be forgiveness. No way in the world you can have close friends without forgiveness. There's no way you can be friends with me without forgiving. Matter of fact, I almost willing to, to guarantee to you that if you're going to go through the trough of, of junk with me, you will probably have to forgive me more than I forgive you. That's just the way it is. Don't, I don't want to be that way, but that's what you're dealing with. And time and effort must be given to the friendship. Years ago in our church, a Sunday school class really took off. Uh, I don't know why, but it just, it just got where more and more people came to that class and they were really welcoming other people and reaching out. And it, it just outgrew the big, largest rooms up there. And, and it was one of those deals. They're saying, well, we need a bigger classroom, need this, need that, you know, and, and things are going on. And, and, uh, you know, for about a year or so, it went really well. And it became, you know, a, a real active group. Well, the group was making friends, they were developing, and then, lo and behold, a few members of that class, uh, they decided they were going to put together a select basketball team. It was going to be a boys' basketball team. And they thought it would really be neat that, you know, they would just have the select team within their class, and so, you know, they would just further in, 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 enhance their, their friendship. And I'm sure uh, with noble thoughts, maybe enrich their class. Well, they chose six or seven of the boys that were pretty good in their class to be on this team. They were all about the same age. But there, were what, there was one boy that wasn't any good in basketball. They didn't choose that boy to be on the team. He wasn't good enough to play in that advanced league. They never got over that. Immediately when that happened, the family with the boy, they left the church over that. Quit coming here. As time went on, it became such a rift that these five or six families had not selected this boy and chosen to win and not have this boy on their team. And as time went on, it became a splinter in their relationships 
And, and they began to have some disagreements, some arguments. You know, they didn't win like they thought they were going to, and that caused some trouble. And the class, in a matter of about three months, disbanded. Disbanded. Everybody split, went their separate ways, never to talk to each other again. Never to talk to each other again. Over fourth graders' basketball team. I've always used that illustration for me to talk about Hey, I use that with our new groups, a new members class like that. You know, if, if you're close friends with another person, a basketball team shouldn't ruin your friendship. Because today, all those kids, this happened years ago, all those kids are grown now. And I promise you, that basketball team never is thought of as happens in life. But then, it hurt God's work. It got in the way of what God was doing. He was doing a wonderful thing in that group. And then that happened. Your God-sent relationships are really important. Be available to what God is going to do in regard to your friendships. Make the commitment that's necessary. Put the effort into it. Stand strong in the storms. Stand with people, even when it hurts. We rejoice with those who rejoice, and we suffer with those who suffer. Lord, just guide us in the area of friendship. Help us, Lord, to truly be committed to who you send our way as friends. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, please come forward.